What is up, everybody? We are back with another episode of the Fetch It podcast. Our guest today, her name is Ashton Murray. She is out of the Dallas area, born and raised from what I hear. And uh, we wanted to have her on to talk a little bit about her short-term rental journey and uh, see what we can learn from her. So Ashton, can you kind of tell us a little bit about yourself, how you got started in real estate? Yeah, thank you, David. I got started in real estate just two years ago, actually. Similar story to probably a lot of people, but was in like a corporate nine to five job that I absolutely dreaded and had to get out of. Living with my parents, like just whole situation of basically being rock bottom. And I was like, I gotta find a way out of this. I always wanted to be an entrepreneur, sort of create wealth for myself. So I knew real estate was gonna be an avenue I was gonna take. Airbnb rental arbitrage though, what I focus in now was the avenue I specifically chose. I actually found a mentor through social media, hopped on that program really quick, and then it's been rolling ever since. So here we are now. That's awesome. So tell us who that mentor was. So his name is Chris Choi. He actually doesn't offer mentorship anymore, unfortunately, but he's really big on TikTok. That's how I found him. It's kind of funny. I tell people like scrolling on TikTok actually changed my life because it pushed me to join a mentorship program to learn about Airbnb and rental arbitrage space specifically. Yeah, um, I know Chris Choi. I follow Chris Choi. I actually know a girl that also did Chris Choi's program. I have to go back and remember because I know he did them in small groups, right? Is that how is that how you set them up? Yeah, correct. It was I think there was probably like nine other people in my group at the time, but it was never any more than like 10 or 15. Cool. So maybe get into that story a little bit. Did you make any Airbnb buddies in that group? Yes. So funny story. One of the people who are in that mentorship group is now my business partner. Funny enough, Chris Choi, like he accepts people from all over the United States as long as they're in a good market for Airbnb specifically. However, turns out we're all chit chatting in the group. One of the guys says, oh, yeah, I'm in Dallas, Texas, too. And so I'm, I suggest, well, hey, let's meet up. We're doing the same thing. Let's get a coffee, you know, chit chat about what we're looking to do. So we end up meeting up and turns out we're actually going after the same property in DFW. And we had both reached out to the landlord at this point. Both had pitched to him. And the landlord was in a very particular situation. He wanted $10,000 for a security deposit, which... I would never make that mistake again, but at the time, just starting off my business, I really wanted to get my first house. And so I didn't have enough cash though for a 10 grand security deposit. So I had asked this guy who was part of my mentorship program. I was like, let's just go on it together. We want the same property anyways. We both find it profitable. So we're still in business two years later. And yeah, now we're actually at, I'm just onboarding my ninth property this, this week actually. So let's just talk a little bit about something. So just so you know, David and I met through a mastermind. And I know that people throw those words, mastermind, course, whatever the different words that people use are. And I found it, a lot of people, you know, there's some that that you join and you don't get any value out of, but all you need to do is is join one that's really, really good. And you can meet somebody that changes your life because stronger together than alone. And maybe you can tell me one story of how, would you maybe, between zero and nine properties going on nine, you could talk about like, damn, like I couldn't have done this shit by myself. Like, tell us a story. You're like, wow, like you're smart ways. I'm not, I'm smart ways. You're not like, tell us a little bit about that. That'd be awesome. Yeah, for sure. So, um, when I first started the business, like full transparency, kind of, um, showing my vulnerable side here, but I was definitely a people pleaser type of personality style 
definitely a yes woman, I would say when I first started my own business. And although that can be good in some cases, it definitely does have its disadvantages as well. So my business partner is actually complete opposite personality style, hard negotiator, looks at different circumstances through a revenue lens, I like to say of like, hey, is this going to make us money or not? And as we know, Airbnb is very focused on customer service. So I think our personality styles blended together works really well because I'm someone who's focused on the customer's journey and still want to make sure people are happy. But at the same time, my partner is really focused on the revenue and like, for example, I'm going to get into the story in a second, but he's very focused on the revenue and making like logical decisions when it comes to the business. So my story with this is there was one instance where we had a guest, um, a family staying at one of our properties and it was during the summer, like peak season. I think this reservation alone was like $4,000 at our Lux, at one of our Lux properties in Arizona. And, um, I don't remember exactly what they were complaining about. They were complaining about something though, something really small. It was like the pool had some leaves in it and the grass wasn't like fully trimmed down the way they liked it. I don't know. Um, but you know how it is. I thought the Lux people just pay and be quiet. What's going on? Yeah, you'd be shocked. But anyway, so turns out, um, I was, they were requesting a refund for this stay over these little details that were easily fixable. You know, we could have made them right. So of course I'm like, we don't want a bad review. This is a big reservation. Like let's grant them 50% refund and keep them happy, blah, blah, blah. My business partner on the other hand is like, absolutely not. This is a business. You know, these are things that are fixable. We can fix them and negotiate a way to make sure that they're happy to ensure that we keep our full revenue. So that's a perfect example of like me being a people pleaser and his logic, like overriding that. And so together, you know, we ended up meeting with the family, like face to face, fixing all the issues quickly because we did that. They were obviously happy. And so we ended up only refunding them like a cleaning fee instead of the $2,000, which would have been 50% of the re reservation. So all worked out, but I think having someone to fill in the gaps of your weaker spots and like being able to play on each other's strengths can build something that you couldn't do on your, on your own anyways. Yeah. So t tell me a little bit about this. So how have you overcome this? What you call it? Business has forced you to face yourself in the mirror. Yeah. Um, what are some other ways that you do to like to combat it? Are you into any books? Are you into any like meditation stuff? You just like know that every day you're going to have to face it. Yes. So I know like this sounds probably cliche, but really it just comes with practice. Like as two years in now, negotiating, constantly talking to people, seeing various issues that have come up naturally, just being in the business alone has given me a lot of, I feel like the tools, knowledge and experience to be able to get better at combating those issues and also think of it from a more logical stance. For example, when people complain now, I'm not as worried about it as when they did when I first started, because I know being an entrepreneur, you're basically a really good problem solver, right? So we're just here to solve problems at the end of the day. And I am into meditation pretty heavily, actually. I also read self-development books. I'm a part of a really cool book club based out of here in Dallas. It's an all-women's book club, and we read a self-development book once a month, too. So I read from that book club, our books that we focus on, and then also a bunch of real estate books as well, in addition to meditation. I think meditation, by far, has changed my life for the better. 
and recommend to everyone because it's just being able to tame your mind at the end of the day. So yeah, that definitely, definitely helps me think logically and analyze situations without getting emotional over them first. Not reacting. Yes, exactly. Right. So your normal reaction would be like, I'm going to people please. And then like, if you meditate, may say five to six to seven uh, ten, times out of 10, you might not because you'll be like, oh, gotcha, bitch. Yeah, well, I would say closer to nine out of 10 times, probably, because then I'm like, okay, you know what, this can be fixed easily. Yeah. And like I said, with practice and just experience, I think a lot of that has died in myself, which not to say I'm still not here to want to make people happy and have them like be happy with their experience at the end of the day. But just in terms of I've seen it all at this point, I feel like with Airbnb. So a lot of things don't surprise me when people are either complaining or trying to get refunds or things like that. And so I've really taken more of a perspective when it comes to looking at the business and it's like, okay, one, is this fixable? Nine out of 10 times, it's a yes, right? And even the the one out of 10 times where it's maybe not a yes, it can be fixed. It's just with time. So that's kind of the approach I take now is just more of like a problem solver mindset rather than going naturally into the people pleasing side. I'm going to surprise you. I've also had to confront some of this stuff myself and get really creative around it. So I have a lot of empathy towards becoming like a, because when you're a people pleaser, you might also have a close relationship with your employees. You might also right, have exactly. like, a, like a great work culture. But when it comes to those tough things that you actually have to press your finger down on, it's more challenging because you're like, wait a minute, like all these sort of cascading thoughts happen. So I have a lot of respect for you for for taking that on. Okay. So we got a little bit about your mindset, a little bit about how you got started in your partnership. Maybe tell us a little bit about the deal that's most memorable to you out of the current eight. Um, okay. It's probably a recent one. Well, let's see. What's our best deal? Well, I'm going to pick on one of our Arizona properties because this deal kind of came out of a shit show to be quite frank, <laughs> but my business partner and I were looking for some properties in Scottsdale and we found this one we liked. Landlord was a really great guy, cool with the rental arbitrage model. Everything was pretty much in place. We signed the lease. We were all good to go. And this was a luxe property. So the rent on this property, I think was upwards. It was like nine or $10,000, um, pretty expensive. So it was a big deal for us. And turns out like a month later, he ended up, the landlord actually ended up selling the home and the new owners were not okay with this business model in terms of doing the rental arbitrage route. So that put us in a huge mess, so to speak. And it's a, I mean, we laugh at the story now, but it turns out we ended up wanting to get out of the lease because obviously this landlord wasn't cool with it. And the original owner of the house had never disclosed any of this information to the new owner. So it turned legal pretty quick and people were suing each other to get our deposit back. But all that to say Following that week of this whole legal mess now, everyone's pissed off, emotions are high because <laughs> this deal what was turning into a mess. We found this other property that actually ran the numbers on it. The profitability was going to be significantly higher than this other house. We had just signed a lease on um, and turns out it was like in the same exact neighborhood, perfect location, exactly where we wanted. It came on the market literally while we were in Arizona. So it was just like the stars aligned moment. 
you know, God was looking out for us, I think, or the universe, higher power had our back because it was just the perfect, perfect property to add to our portfolio at the time. And it wouldn't have even come across our desks if that other house have not fallen through. So out of the ashes, we rose, I guess. I think, I think, I think what ends up happening is like, if you put your intentions out there, yeah, like stuff kind of comes align, you know, for meditation and visualization. Like Absolutely. the other day, the other day I'm coming, I have a sublease unit that's coming to an end in, uh, in Cleveland and I live in Miami now, so I don't live near there. And I'm like, yeah. I just want to get rid of this stuff. I gotta, I gotta spend time selling it. I gotta, I gotta, like, what am I going to do? One of the Fetcher customers comes in. They're like, we're doing an arbitrage unit in Cleveland. Like, I'm like, do you want wow. furniture? Like, they're like, we want to do one next month. I'm like, I'm like, I taped off the last two days of the month. I'm like, go get it all, you know, go get it. And we did a little deal and it was over. So you never know yeah, God and also you doing the work. Yeah, absolutely. really, really, really is, is the combination of the two. Ashton, you're very, you're a fascinating woman. Tell us. Okay. So, so you're, you're doing arbitrage. Is that, are you going to plan on sticking to that focus indefinitely? Do you have other visions and dreams? Are you going to do solo deals without your partner? Tell us a little bit about like what, where you see yourself going forward. Yes. So I love the rental arbitrage model and I'll probably continue to pick up properties that way indefinitely for as far as I can see. However, I actually am also getting into the fix and flips right now. I actually just sold my fix and flip. We've closed on it Friday. So really exciting news there. And that was a project that was a mess, to be honest. Like we still made a profit, but I learned a lot. And, you know, we all go through that deal that teaches you so much. So I'm trying to get more into that space. And then also by the end of the year, um, join a few like multifamily syndications as well and start investing like into duplexes, triplexes, fourplexes for STR specifically. So that's some more of my long-term goals is just um, getting into multifamily. And then also, like I said, bringing in some fix and flip stuff as well. I think fix and flip is, is dope. You got to mix it up. You got to expand your horizons. Um, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> that's really cool. David, so David who's not on is into the MTR space, the midterm rental space, yeah. and I'm doing ground up development. So it's always interesting whenever we talk to people, it's like a, it's like a master class, honestly, yes. in areas that we don't focus on. So tell us a little bit about fix and flips. Where did you learn about fix and flips? What was the hardest lesson so far about fix and flips? Because the fundamentals of the business, like Airbnb is all systems and messaging, right. and smart pricing and all this stuff. Tell us a little bit about like when you, when you expand it out into this new frontier, what were some of the lessons that you had to learn quickly? Yeah. So I've only done one fix and flip project was, which was my most recent one and big, big learning lesson with that house. But I think this goes to apply for a lot of situations, but time is of the essence, like making sure you have a really good contractor and a really good relationship built with your contractor to ensure no time is wasted and getting the deal rolling and renovations started because Something that I failed at was not having a great relationship already built. I had asked, you know, some friends and some wholesalers I know in the market, who do you use for your contractor? But because I'm new to this space, I didn't already have that connection already built. So I was kind of just trusting other people's judgment, which I learned was not always the best move. However, so although the contractor did a fine job, I expected the project to be done a lot quicker. And we ran into issues with the foundation and all of these things up front that should have been taken care of kind of on the forefront. So 
that was one of my big lessons was make sure you have a really great contractor that you one trust. And if you're doing it for the first time, make sure he's a very strong referral. And then second and most important lesson, aside from the contractor piece, is also making sure you have really great communicative business partners. Because I went in this deal with a partner who I have known in the industry for a really long time. And we even had a friendship outside of real estate. And I trusted him. And the communication was not there, which just presented a lot of delays in this project specifically and a lot of misunderstandings. And like I said, I always tell people, like, even if there's not an update, I still want an update because that communication is just so critical, especially when there's so many moving parts when it comes to a fix and flip and making sure everyone's in the loop, timelines are expected and communicated properly, etc. So Make sure you have really great business partners and a really great contractor. And yeah, those were two big, big, big learning lessons for this project. 100%. And I, I feel the same way about real estate development, to be honest. You got to be like lockstep with them. Exactly. Lockstep with them or you're done. Exactly. Or your, pro or your project is just, it's just going to go away. Right. So I think that's fascinating. Do you think you'll have more fix and flips um, than arbitrage units going in the next couple of years? Um, great question. I don't know yet. It kind of depends on the economy, real estate market and stuff. I know interest rates are still pretty high. So I would love for them if they come down, then I'm all into going to be buying up as much as I can. But um, it kind of just depends. We'll have to see where it goes. I would really do want to expand my portfolio, though, just even like I said, outside of Airbnb and just have that be one arm of the empire, so to speak. But yeah, goals towards the end of the year are definitely to get a few more fix and flips in and then also expand into the multifamily space, too. So I've been in multifamily offline. We can offline uh, on that. Yeah, happy, I want to hear about your experience. Happy to help. It's the opposite of Airbnb. It's super boring, but it's got more stability and because it's boring, it's like predictable. Yes. So um, yeah, we could, we could talk, we could talk more about that. Um, okay, cool. So I have one question, more question about fix and flip, which I think the audience would like to hear. How do you sure. fund these projects? Like, cause isn't it a lot of capital up front? Yeah. So this project, we did a hard money lender. Otherwise I would say leverage your network and use other people's money like OPM because everyone has someone in their network that wants to invest. And if you don't have someone in your direct network, I can guarantee the people in your circle know someone who wants to invest. So leveraging private money and also using hard money loans, but we went the hard money loan and also a little bit of private money too. So kind of a mix there. That's great. That's great. Well, okay. So I want to get into, so we know a little bit about your business. We know a little bit about where you're expanding into. Very fascinating. You're the first person who's gone from arbitrage to fix and flip and then eventually multifamily. Yeah. Um, very interesting story, Ashton. We're going to get into a few personal fire round questions. Cool. I love it. <laughs> so you did talk about somebody you look up to. What's the thing from Chris Choi that you look up to that you learned the most before you got started? Yeah. So this is something I even tell the people I mentor now, but there is a really big differentiating factor between people who are successful and people who are not. And what it is, is execution and speed of implementation. And what I mean by that, and this is something I learned from my mentor specifically, Chris Choi, but the people who are successful in this life and are very wealthy and you know, millionaires, billionaires that we look up to are very influential in their space. 
when they learn something or when they gain knowledge on something or whatever the case is, they are implementing it immediately, if not in the next hour. And your average Joe normally won't be implementing it till next Monday or next week or next month or the new year or whatever it is. And so that's something I took away from his mentorship and just him being my mentor as a whole is if I find something in a book that's going to increase my profits in my business or learn learning from another influencer online, we're going to the platform that instant and implementing it. We're not waiting till Monday. We're not waiting till the next day. We're not even waiting till my calendar has the availability. And this applies really. I implement this in my personal life as well. You know, when it comes to I'm actually doing 75 hard right now. I'm not sure if you know know what that is, but I'll tell you about it in a minute. But it's this really intense workout program, fitness challenge, so to speak. And when I heard about it, I was like, I'm implementing it tomorrow. And it was a Saturday instead of starting on a Monday. I was like, no, we're starting this tomorrow. So I really have implemented that in all phases of my life is just execution and speed of implementation, I think really differentiates people who are trying to change their life for the better versus the ones that are not. I I completely agree with that. That's actually something I try to do all the time. I just never heard somebody verbalize it out loud. Like at the end of the day, like whether it be systems and processes for your business, cutting costs, opportunities, buying things take a little bit longer, but in terms of like quick efficiencies, I'll give you one quick example because I want to ping pong with you. So I bootstrapped the Fetch It business. So I'm very careful on costs. So Uh yesterday we're inviting more podcast guests on. Guy says to me, one guy we invited, he goes, "Um, can you just send me your calendar link and I'll fill it out. But I don't have one. At that time, I didn't have it. And when we signed you up, we didn't have one either. I was Uh like, you know what? That's the universe. God's talking to me. I go to Calendly. I'm like, it's 140 bucks more a month. All right, I'll do it. But we sent it to STR people with north of 100,000 followers with the Mm -hmm. Calendly link. We had two people sign up today on the day of using a legit Calendly link. And I used to think Calendly was obnoxious. But I realized like it was a quick thing. And like you can imagine that'll grow the community more if more people see it in that way. So it's like these quick little things that even the – it might not be somebody that you read in a book. It might be just the universe kind of talking to you in a weird way. You just jump on that shit. Absolutely. So I I love what you just said. Quick speed to implementation for sure. I have another question here. So Yeah, let's hear it. Tell me what you think. So I work out. You work out. I read. You read. I meditate. You meditate. We're yeah. going to be homies. We're going to be homies for, for sure. sure. <laughs> you're my, I'm your Miami STR friend all day. Tell me a, a book that changed your life. You're in a book club. I'm also in a book club, by the way. It's, okay, not an all, cool. it's not an all male book club, but it happens to be that everybody in it is a guy. So mm-hmm. I can, I can ping pong it. Okay. <laughs> yeah. tell, me what, tell me a book from uh, your female book club that, that really like you thought was really awesome. Yeah. So um, one that really sticks with me is The Power of One More by Ed Milet. Um, absolutely incredible book. And he actually was brought on recently onto Jay Shetty's podcast, if you're familiar. And he did an episode kind of tying up, summarizing what his book is about. Amazing episode as well. But that book talks about, I mean, just really the power of one more. It's very self-explainable, but when you're in the gym, you know, hitting one more rep, taking one more step, taking that one extra minute to talk to your parents, spending that one one extra hour on your business, spending that five extra minutes on your employees or whatever the case is, just taking that one more step. So, I mean, that that was really 
I think that really changed now because now my mindset is whenever I'm doing something, one more connection at an event or whatever it is. Cause that last connection could be the one that changes your journey for the better. Totally, totally yeah. agree. Totally agree. Like hang on a little bit beyond your patient zone. Exactly. That, that's dope. I like that and a lot. It also puts you in a position where you're typically uncomfortable anyway. So we all know with that uncomfortableness creates growth. So that book, I think, will push people very easily too. Cause one more isn't a lot, you know, one more rep is normally doable. One more step in your daily walks is normally doable. Like all of these little things you can implement on a daily basis are what's going, going to essentially accumulate over time and allow you to grow as a person. So yeah, I love that book. Love Ed Milet. Great guy. I'm going to meet him one day. I'm manifesting that for myself. <laughs> say it, say it out loud. It'll happen. It'll, it'll, it'll happen. I think Ed is a beast. Um, yeah, I think that sure. that's great. Okay. This actually plays right into the next one. What do you think your best habit is that got you to where you are so far? Ooh, okay. That's, that's, a, that's a good question. I don't know. Um, I think my best habit that I've actually implemented this year specifically that I used to be really bad about, but I used to be the type of person that with Airbnb business specifically, I'm normally getting 10 text messages at any hour from my maids, my handymen, my property managers, everyone just always needing something, business partners, whatever the case is. I just, my phone's normally consistently blowing up through the regular work days. And same with my Instagram channel, all of these things. And now if I see something on my phone, like text, comment, message, I respond in that moment rather than saying, okay, I'll get back to it tonight. Okay. I'll get back to it in 30 minutes. I'll get back to it tomorrow, whatever the case is. And that's allowed me to one, make other people pleased because I'm getting back to their question, whatever they need right away. And also it's improved my efficiency significantly. Cause it's like, now I don't have the opportunity to forget about it when I would put it on the back burner. And so, like I said, just like doing things in the instant, and getting people their information or whatever the case is like immediately rather than waiting on certain things. I would say that was a habit that's really changed things this year specifically. And that was one of my main goals for the new year, you know, pretty specific, but I was like, I do not want to sit on text messages, Instagram messages, whatever it is anymore. So if someone messages me, I'm responding in that instant. Um, so that's, that's I would say, yeah, that's probably like, a big habit that's changed aside from my 75 hard track of working out every single day for 75 days straight twice a day has really implemented some good healthy habits for myself too so yeah i'm gonna try to keep that up best i can once the challenge is over but yeah i think like also taking care of your physical health is just important as taking care of any other aspect in your life because the mind body soul all ties in together i'm very big proponent of that and when your mind, body, and soul are all aligned, you can operate, you know, at your highest efficiency for your business. So it really all works in a circle to, I mean, if you have everything right and aligned and doing the best you can at every single category, things in your business, your relationships, everything else is going to improve as well. I, com I completely agree. It seems like the theme of your superpower is <laughs> quickness, speed, and curiosity. Yeah, um, I like that. And I, and I think this was really impressive for me because we got to the core of you pretty quickly and we didn't have to dig that much and you just, you're very open and I really appreciate that. Not everybody is. Some people are like, uh, you got to like pull the <laughs> sword. 
it's really tough. So, um, Ashton, that was awesome. So, okay. So obviously the, the thing that people are going to want to know is where can people find out more about you? So yeah. where can people find out more about you on That's every, true. every platform hit me. Yeah. So all my socials, TikTok, YouTube, Instagram, Twitter is at Ashton invests. And yeah, I post the most content about obviously Airbnb rental arbitrage, my lifestyle, um, everything there. And yeah, I love connecting with people, even if it's just saying hello, like building, building relationships is really the goal for my social media platforms, especially going forward. So yeah, that's, that's the best place to reach me is any, any social platform at Ashton invests. Ashton is a superstar and she's going to go way beyond Airbnb as you guys heard. Well, Today was the Fetch It podcast. Myself, Jonathan, and Ashton. We're going to take it away here, but thanks everybody for taking a listen. Yeah, thanks guys. Peace out.